Um, I consider myself a jokester and a prankster, and one of my favorite days of the year is April 1st because I, I get everybody. In fact, on April 1st, everybody's on high alert because whenever I call their phone, they know it's probably going to be a joke. And I like that. This year, a couple people got me back, which I didn't like, but it was, it, God will get them for that. But, um, but in real life, you really don't like to be deceived. As, I mean, you, you want to be told the truth. In most cases, you don't like to think one thing is happening and something else is happening. This is, for me, clear in infomercials. Infomercials usually tell you this is going to happen, but they don't tell you the whole story. You know, you have the ab zapper. So you just sit down at your couch and you just watch TV and the thing will send electrical current through your body and you will have abs. (laughs) But they don't tell you that you have to diet they don't tell you you have to exercise. They just tell you, put this ab shocker on and you'll be good to go. Not true. They had that thing called the ped egg. All you got to do is just take it and scrape it across your foot and all the foot dandruff would just be taken right off of your foot. I tried it. It doesn't work. They also have the, what do you call it, the uh, magic bullet. Just put in your, you can make Alfredo sauce in one two, three seconds, and you have your own Alfredo sauce. It is a blender. <laughs> it is not, it's not, it's a, we, should I tell you, bought one. It's, it's, not, it's not all that great. I mean, uh, all these different infomercials, all these different things, exercise equipment, but they don't tell you at the bottom. There's this little um, white um, print that says, uh, results vary. <laughs> and... It's small. You can't see it. It's white. It kind of blends in so you can't see. And I think the same thing is kind of true even in Christianity because so many people come to Jesus and they have this idea of this is what Jesus is going to give to me. Wealth. He's going to give me money. He's going to give me prestige. He's going to give me power. All these things God is going to give me, but that's not the full story. And so so many people come to church and then they leave because they've been told a lie. So what I want to do today is I want to take that small print and I want to put it right here in the middle, enlarge it, and give it a nice red font. So we're going to talk today about the cost. The cost. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 57. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. If you had it, say, let's go. Let's go. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So we're going to talk today about the cost. Now, first of all, we've got to define what we mean by follow. What does it mean to follow Jesus? 
Four things. Number one, it means to follow Jesus means you must believe in him. Amen. You must believe he is who he said he is. We went out witnessing the other day and a guy was talking to him about the Lord and he basically said that he believed Jesus was a good guy. He said good things, but ultimately he was a lunatic because of some of the stuff that he said. Because C.S. Lewis said Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or he's Lord. Because some of the stuff Jesus said is crazy if he's not Lord, if he's not the God of the universe. So this man was like, well, I, I don't think he's Lord. I think he's actually a lunatic. I'm not going to call him a liar, but I'm just going to call him a lunatic. In order to follow Jesus, you have to believe what he said. Jesus said, he who believes in the Son has life. He who does not believe in the Son does not have life, and God's wrath remains on him. So Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life. He claimed to be the living water. He claimed to be the bread of life. He claimed to be all these things, the door, the great shepherd. So if you don't believe those things, then you can't follow him. Amen. You have to believe those things in order to follow Jesus. So when we, mean, when we talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus, number one, believe in him. Number two, trust in him. In order to follow Jesus, you have to trust him. You will not follow someone you don't trust. A couple of weeks ago, we were witnessing, and Clementon followed Charmaine, who thought she was following my mom, and they got lost. Not Charmaine, Charlena. Thought she was following her and got lost. And so Clementon was ranting and raving, she got me lost. He was mad, because he, he didn't get the witness. And I bet you today, if, if Charlena were to say, come on, Clementine, follow me. We're going down the window. He would say, no, what? I'm not, I'm not going to follow you. I don't trust you. I trust my dad to do a lot of things. Teach me theology. Teach me how to be a man. But one thing I will not trust him in is directions. <laughs> he, he is terrible. If I try to follow him to go somewhere, I usually have my own GPS. And I say, Dad, if you turn somewhere and I don't follow you, it's because I don't trust where you're going. And sometimes we say we follow Jesus, we trust him, but as we're following him, Jesus, you see that? You'll you see shine a light on that. What is that? Jesus, like Jesus doesn't know where he's going. He knows the way. He knows the path. What's in that? Like, you don't see that, Jesus? What's, that? What's around the corner there? To follow Jesus, you have to trust that he knows what he's doing. He's never made a mistake. He's infinity and old. So in order to follow Jesus, you must believe in him, must trust him. And number three, you've got to obey him. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Those of you guys who have played sports, you know, you see one of your old high school coaches. What do you call him? Coach. coach. You say, hey, what's up, coach? You never call him their real name. You just call him coach. You've been out of high school for eight years. You see me say, hey, what's up, coach? Now, if I saw my coach, my high school coach outside, and I walked to say, hey, what's up, coach? And he said, hey, shall I need you to run 50 laps? I say, yeah, um, about that. I got I'm ministering right now. I can't, I can't go and do that. I mean, I'm not going to do it. Why not? Because even though I would give him the title of coach, it's a title of respect, but I no longer come up under him and yield to all of his demands. And some people look at Jesus like that. What's up, Lord and Savior? It's like a title, Lord and Savior. But when Jesus asks you to do something, 
Uh, huh? I need you to sow into the kingdom of God. Huh? You should go out and witness for me. Huh? If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he is forever your Lord and Savior. I never have to follow my coach's wills again. But Jesus is forever my coach. And so if we're talking about following Jesus, following him all the way, you have to obey what he says. He's forever our coach. And four, fellowship. What does it mean to follow God? Fellowship with him. And there's two ways we can look at this, outward and inward. There's an outward type of fellowship because um, when you come into the, the body of Christ, we have people here. Um, we pray together. We study the Bible together. Cell group. This is all outward acts. We, all, we can externally see me serving the Lord. And I think in Christianity what has happened is we have so gone to the side of talking about a personal relationship, personal relationship, personal. Because what people don't want you to do is they don't want you to have this um, relationship with God that's based on just laws. Don't do, don't do, don't do. But they want you to have a relationship with him, a personal relationship. So what we've done is we've talked about personal, personal, personal. But it's breed a type of people who don't care about the church who just say, I have a personal relationship with God. Why are you not at church? Oh, because I have a personal relationship with God. See, because your relationship, your relationship with God is personal, but it's not private. God calls you into a community. He does not call you out to go off, you know, into the woods and say, this is me and Jesus. But he calls you into community, just like a baby. A baby is born. He has parents or she has parents, aunts, uncles. Same way, you're born into the family of God. People who are older than you, who can speak into your life. So there's an outward type of fellowship that we need to have. But don't have this idea, it's just me and Jesus, off by myself. That's why you always see people who haven't been fellowshipping, they always seem to have no relationship with God or they're dying off spiritually. So there's outward fellowship and then there's also an inward fellowship. This has to do with your personal, private, secluded prayer life. It has to do with your Bible reading. It's so cute sometimes talk, people talk about, oh, I just read the Bible. And they talk about like one verse for their devotion. I'm not hating. I'm just saying. One verse. <laughs> Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Oh, I'm full. <laughs> now remember, the Bible was not written in one verse and then take it. Paul wrote whole letters. If I wrote you a letter, you wouldn't read the first line. Hello. Oh, hello. Let me think about hello. <laughs> H-E-L-L-O. <laughs> That's what we do when we preach, though. We take every single word the Greek word means, and we do all of that, and it's needed. But you read the whole thing. You need to read more than a verse. Amen. Read a chapter. Read, read a whole book. The book of Philemon is a couple verses. Amen. I read two verses of Philemon today. It doesn't even have a chapters. <laughs> so you have, you have your personal, private, secluded prayer life, your Bible reading. This is where nobody else sees what you're doing. And one of the things God does when you have an internal and inward fellowship with him is he gives you certain things that people can't always see on the outside. Because there are things that happen in your personal life that will come out externally. For example, hatred of sin. We say we hate sin, but really we don't hate sin. We hate the consequences of it. If you really hated sin, there were certain things you wouldn't do because there are certain consequences for doing those things. For example, I was in my pastoral ministry class this week, and we were supposed to read um, a couple chapters over the spring break. I didn't. And because I'm always good at, you know, 
making stuff up and coming off the cuff and I can just make stuff up and get an A still. So I was like, I'll be all right. So I come into class and the teacher says, all right, for your quiz today, we have a quiz every week after the reading. He said, um, this is the quiz today. And he put it up on the board and he said, um, did you do the reading? Yes or no? That was the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at it and I know in my spirit that I didn't read. <laughs> and then he, because he uses PowerPoint, he hit the next button and it said, yes is 20 points and no is 15 points. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm sitting there deciding, oh Lord. <laughs> now I couldn't pray like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because it's clear what he wants me to do. <laughs> but I've been praying this prayer for weeks. Lord, give me a hatred for sin. Not just the consequences of it. And I was sitting there. I was like, okay, I'm going to write yes. Because I was, I was rationalizing my mind. I did look at the book this week, the cover. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of like reading. I thought about going down to, because the book was in my car. I thought about going down to my car and just like, yes, I did do the reading. And I was going to write yes. Gave me the, the piece of paper. And, he, you know, we had to take out our own sheet of paper. Write our name on it. So you got to go this whole thing. All things leading up is, am I going to lie or not? <laughs> Get up to the thing. Did you do the reading? I wrote no. Amen. I wrote no. And I felt so great. I lost five points. <laughs> but I felt so great because I cared more that God was watching. Right. He hates lying and liars. And so I decided, okay. I'm going to tell the truth. And it felt great. I was, God was answering the prayer I've been praying. Um, this comes out, especially for us, with speeding. Speeding is a sin. All right? It is not of, is not of God. Okay? What did Michael Jackson say? Speed what? Demon. Speeding is not of God. But why do we do it? Well, because it's a victimless crime. If you go 40 in a 25-mile-an-hour residential area and you don't hit anybody, what, what's so bad about it? And I think that's the problem. We think if there are no consequences, then I'll just go ahead and I'll just do it. But if you have fellowship with Jesus, he'll say, you know, you need to go to speed limit. Flow of traffic, whatever the rules are. I know you guys are thinking, ah, well, you know, because I see some of y'all with the fish on your back of your car. Inward fellowship, outward fellowship, what it means to follow the Lord. Amen. So let's look at the first guy. We're going to call him Jasper. <laughs> Verse 57. And Jasper has a problem with um, personal comfort. So verse 57, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Now, as a preacher, this is what you want. I'll follow you. I'll accept Jesus. I'll come up to the front and pray the prayer with you. Amen. And you know, people who always make declarations, I'm going to follow the Lord now. I'm back now. People just love to make declarations. And we love to have them. Oh, come on, let's pray. Everybody surround them. And what does Jesus say? I don't have a house. <laughs> what an odd way to answer the question, to answer his, his, 
his desire to follow him. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Well, you know, I don't I don't have a house. Why would Jesus say something like that? Why would Jesus say, well, I, I, I don't have a house. A lot of people think Jesus was rich. Yeah, you hear certain preachers say Jesus was rich. He, he had designer clothes. But in, <laughs> they say that for real. The designer robes. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Verse nine says, for, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. Poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. So Jesus, I mean, he wasn't rich at all. He became poor. But why would Jesus say that to somebody who just said, I will follow you, Lord, wherever you go? Well, here's one of the things, because if you know Jesus, you know, he had the ability to see into people's hearts. There'll be times when they'll be sitting there and they'll be thinking to themselves, who, how could he say this about the Lord? How can he? He's not God. How could he do this? And Jesus would come and say, why are you thinking these things in your heart? <laughs> <laughs> how crazy that would be. Why would you say that? What did he say? So he had the ability to look into people's heart. And I believe he looked into this man's heart and saw that he was going to make a decision based on his own personal comforts. He's got Jesus, thousands of people following him. He has all the power in the world. He has to have a lot of stuff. He has to have a lot of money. He has to have a lot of power, all this stuff. So he said, I I think I want to follow that guy. But Jesus says, I don't have a place to live. Foxes do. Birds do. But I don't. And some people make decisions to follow Jesus based on whether or not it's going to discomfort them or not. And so what he wants to do to this guy is say, before you even start following me, let me let you know, we stay in hotels. We sleep outside. None of my disciples have their own credit card. None of my disciples have their own camel or chariot. We don't live in a penthouse suite with a pool. We sleep outside. And here's this man who's like, whoa, hmm, that's not what I bargained for. I thought Jesus was going to do... You know, some things in my life. I thought he was going to make me a, you know, a powerful person and take me up in my business. And but he's not going to do that, apparently. So he knew that this man wanted riches and he wanted things more than he wanted him. And there's no place like home. I mean, to follow Jesus, you would have never had your own bed. That's one of the most aggravating things for me about going to camps is that's not in your own bed. And I'll be in these, you know, rows. They put me in a trailer last time I was in Casadero. It was a cool trailer. It had air conditioning. It was hot up there, so it was, it was cool. But it was really uncomfortable. And I just said, Lord, I want to go home. I just want to be in my own bed. Imagine you have to follow Jesus wherever he goes, and you've got to sleep on the floor. You've got to sleep in people's house. You never sleep in your own room, your own bed, your own pillow, your own covers. This is what he said. If you follow me, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're, this is what I'm going to re- require of you. So do you still want to come? Do you still want to follow me? And remember, another thing is Jesus was often rejected because of his message. So one of the things, the reason he didn't have a home is because people were always rejecting him. Oh, son of God, oh, get out of here. And people are going to reject you once they find out you're Christian. Especially when you start opening your mouth and talking about the Lord. Miss America, I don't know if you, or Miss California, I don't know if you guys heard the story. They asked her a question about marriage, and she said that she believed that marriage was between a man 
and a woman. No disrespect to anybody else, but it's between a man and a woman. And there was a celebrity judge, he was a, he's a gay blogger, who said that he, she basically lost the pageant because of her saying that. You got to understand, she's, she's probably going to win if she just gives the right answer. I think everybody should be able to get married. Everybody. Everybody's loving her. Look at her. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? Look at her. As soon as you open up her mouth, oh, no, 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 no. And you'll have friends who will love you who will, until you say something that they don't like. Because you follow Jesus, there are certain things that you say they ain't going to like. And so Jesus was saying to this man, hey, I'm, you have no pla- I'm going to have no place to live. You're going to have no place to live. Servant is not above his master. So you're going to be homeless. I'm homeless. And you're going to get rejected. We're going to go to cities. In fact, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die. This is like the, the last leg of his ministry. He's getting ready to go and die. So he tells this man, hey, if you want to follow me, just know I don't have a place to live. Just know I'm homeless and know that you will also be rejected. Hardship and loneliness. Look at Acts chapter 20. It'll be on the screen for you. Acts 20, verse 23 and 24. Hardship and loneliness are involved in following Jesus. Acts 20, verse 23 and 24. I only know, this is Paul speaking, that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and what? Are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. What does he say is awaiting him? Hardships. Not a jacuzzi. Yeah, I'm Paul. I made a reservation. Hopefully the chocolates are on my pillow. Nothing like that. I know when I go, I'm going to get persecuted. I'm going to get put in prison. Second Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened... That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Hardships. Paul does not paint a, a rosy, fluffy picture. He says, we, we wanted to die. Does this sound like the kind of following that people make Jesus out to be? Just come, it's gonna be, you're going to smile all day. Paul said, we wanted to die. We can feel death pressing down on us. Think about missionaries who give up their homes and their life to go to a foreign country, foreign language, foreign culture, give up all the stuff that we have here, running water, 7-Eleven on the corner. When I was in Africa, it was terrible. I was like, I want to go get some. I can't. (laughs) Grab a Slurpee. Can't do that. Want a bag of chips? Can't do that. There is no 7-Eleven. I got to catch my food. (laughs) <laughs> this is and the bugs I already said to the Lord I said Lord I, he did not make me to be a missionary at least not yet because 
All those bugs, I think they were connected because they all did the same exact thing. They all tormented me. No matter where I was, they would follow me. They would come into my room, turn on the light. Here they come in the window. Turn off the light. Oh, he gone, he gone. Turn back on the light. There he is, there he is. Turn the light, he gone, he gone. I said, I'm going in the room to sleep. Go in the room to sleep. All these little creepy, crawly things all around me. No matter what, where I was, Ghana, Togo, Kotonu, Nigeria, Killing everything. I can't do that. I can't minister when I'm doing this all day. I can't. So I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I will train them and send them. And grace be with you. And rage. I'm not, I'm not a missionary, but some people are. But here's the thing. If God were to say, I want you to go to Africa today, would you be willing to go? Ask the kids in youth group. If God told you to give up TV, would you do it? Get a pin drop. Uh, All TV? Yes. Movies too? Yes. Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to give up running water? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to give up everything. The cost is your life. The cost is your own personal comfort. We live in America. We're sitting here in these blue comfy chairs. Temperature is controlled. But we're just, we're just spoiled. Personal comfort. But Jesus said, you want to follow me? No personal comfort. Second person, we'll call him Bart. <laughs> Bart has a problem with priorities. So look at verse... 59. He said to another man, follow me. Now, Jesus seems to volunteer this guy. So this guy didn't say, I'll follow you. He said, hey, you follow me. He seems willing to do it. He says, but the man replied, Lord, what? First, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, you read that, you're like, hmm, Jesus, that's a little harsh, huh? Um, can I go bury my dad? No, grab your Bible. Going to preach. But can I go bury my dad? No. I was like, I was reading, I was like, okay, Lord, that's a little harsh. Now, there's three views of this passage. The first view is that the father was dead. So you need to go and bury him. The second view is that the father was near death. So he's getting ready to die. The third view is that the father was nice and healthy. He just wanted to wait until he died so he can get the inheritance. So commentators and scholars squabble over, okay, well, what, what was going on there? Because Jesus' answer seems a little harsh. Now, what I think is it doesn't matter. Because no matter what the issue was, Jesus said no. So if your father is dead, no, there is something more important. And that is proclaiming the kingdom of God. See, because your relationship with God and God wants radical Obedience. He wants radical allegiance to him. And that will sometimes transcend or go over even your obligations to your family. Lord, let me go bury my father. No, you have something more important to do. What did Jesus say? It was kind of weird. He says, um, let the dead bury their own dead. It's a weird statement, isn't it? Now, the Bible uses the word dead in two different ways. One, physical death, and then the other, spiritual death. You should know Ephesians chapter 2. 
It says, after you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. So he's, what Jesus is saying is let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. So in other words, let your unsaved friends and family do that. You have something that's more important. The priority is always God. What did Jesus, what did the man say? Let me first go. Now, Jesus is not against you burying your relative. In fact, that was something he, that God um, honored highly. But he says no, because he wants radical obedience. Now, there's a story in um, 1 Kings chapter 19. I'll read it to you. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat. He was plowing with plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah, because when he threw his cloak around him, he was saying, I want you to come and follow me. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come back with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What, I ha- what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So here's Elijah who says, yes, you can go back to your family. You can go back. But Jesus says, my kingdom is much more important than Elijah's. God does not want to come second or third. He wants to come first, even above things that are good. Charles Spurgeon said he will not come into your heart to sit in the worst chair in the house. He will not come into your soul to be lodged in the attic. He wants to be first. Say, oh, Lord, come into my soul. Okay, I'm here. Come down. We're going to the basement. Okay, go all down to the basement. Say, here, come into the corner of the basement. They say, okay, now get in this cage. Yeah, Jesus, in the, in the bottom of the basement of your soul, in a cage. I'll come down when I need you. That's how some people view the Lord. The priorities are off. It's not that they don't like Jesus, but they only want him to kind of rise up like a hero when they're in trouble. I'm drowning, Lord. I need a lifeguard. I'm in a burning building. I need a fireman. So priorities are off. And the third person. Jake, we're calling him Jake. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So what's Jake's problem? Is it wrong to say goodbye to your family? No. But looking back is an outward expression of an inward desire. And what Jesus says at the end of that passage is he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Some people make the decision to follow Jesus. And then when they get into it, they realize, man, is this what I thought? They start to doubt it. Jesus is very, very clear with people. When, he, when you see it in this story, people say, I want to follow you. And he tells them what it's going to be. He puts it right up front. What is the cost? Look back at Luke 9.23. You know this passage well. Luke 9.23. Just a page back. 
He says, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must do what? Deny himself and take up what? His cross daily and follow me. You know what a cross means? Death. You see somebody carrying a cross in those days, you know they're going to die. We wear crosses today on our necklace, on our, you know. It'd be the same thing as wearing an electric chair today. Look at my electric chair. Or a needle for lethal injection. It doesn't make any sense. So we have this whole idea that a cross is, oh, it's just, you know, burning. Cross is death. You're going on your way to die and to deny. You should deny yourself. That word deny means to refuse to associate with. So you refuse to associate with the person you once were. When you decide to follow Jesus, it's no more about what you want. It's no, about, no longer about what you desire. It's all about what does he want. And in following Jesus, you will be forced to release the grip on your will and embrace his. Some of you guys have dreams, things that you, God, I want to do this. And God has been telling you, no, it's not my will. But you want to hold on to it. Lord, I, I believe I want to do this. I've been showing you clearly this is not the way I want you to go. We're in a men's meeting, and I, and I mentioned that. Sometimes God will keep shutting the door, shutting the door, shutting the door, shutting the door. I don't know if this is God's will. I'm trying to open the door. It's locked. <laughs> Sometimes you just say, okay, Lord, I'm ready, whatever you have. Whatever you have. You got to be willing to say, okay, Lord, this is what I wanted since I was young. Some of you, I get a bet the most of us aren't what we thought we were going to be when we were kids. I'm being astronaut. That's too much work. <laughs> I'm bad at math. I can't, none of that. I want to be a fireman. That's too dangerous. Policeman, that's too dangerous. I chose preaching. That's dangerous. Too. <laughs> but you got to be willing to say, okay, Lord, this is what I've been wanting. I've been wanting, but it seems like you're just not doing this. I let it go. What do you want me to do? I'm ready to listen. And when you have that heart, he'll, he'll, he'll lead you perfectly. You, you'll know exactly what he wants you to do. You keep holding on to what you want to do, and you will be frustrated. Frustrated. God is clear. God speaks today, and he's been telling you, some of you in this room, over and over, no, no, no. Follow me. Get rid of your desires. Follow me. I know, Lord, but this, is, this doesn't seem bad. This seems like the good I... No. Be, really, be willing to give it up. Holding on to your dreams too long. And this is a permanent position. It's not a training position. You will forever be following Jesus. One day I'm going to be in front of Jesus. No. You will always be following. <laughs> Always. Now, Jesus, again, he paints the picture. The cost is high. What is the cost? It will cost you your life. The gospel is free, but it will cost you your life. Now, in, in light of all of that, it costing your life and there being hardships and being pain and have to endure those things. It, as high as the cost is, the payoff is well worth it. 
as I was praying for this message, I prayed that as I read these scriptures that God's glory would just descend and you will feel the fact that God wants to reward you for your toil. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It'll be on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 5. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is a Lord Christ you are serving. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Understand, God is our reward. What the world wants you to have, money, sex, power, position, All those things, death takes away. As soon as you die, all those things are taken away. But if you have Jesus, those things, will he will never be taken away from you. And sometimes when we think about heaven, it kind of saddens me because I think we think of heaven as a replica of earth. I can't wait to get my mansion Gonna have many, many places for all my friends to come over. We gonna drink Kool Aid and sit at the pool and fly <laughs> and walk on streets of gold. Walk on street? Is that what you're looking forward to? Streets of gold? Walking on streets of? Is that all it is? Kool Aid in the shade? <laughs> is that what it's about? God is our reward. And he's a billion times better than anything in this world. And when we get to heaven, we will forever love him, forever worship him. Heaven is not heaven if God is not there. The cost is your life, but man, the payoff So I'm not going to lie to you. You follow Jesus, it's going to be hard. He's going to ask you to do some stuff you will not want to do. That word follow is in the present tense. That means that it's an action that happens and continues. Following Jesus is not Sunday. God doesn't want your Sundays. He doesn't want your Wednesdays. He wants your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He wants your life. Don't 
follow him if you're not ready. All the, it doesn't tell us what happened. It doesn't tell us if the men said, oh, I, I will, I will follow you. In fact, it's implied that they all walked away sad. Remember the man who had all those possessions? She said, okay, get, sell everything you have and then come follow me. What did it say? He walked away sad because he had so much. So many people, when they hear what, what the cost is, my life, oh no, I just, I just want to come to church on Sunday and just, you know, get my little money and walk out and not be bothered. You will be surprised on the day of judgment. As Jesus said, I, I never knew you. We never had fellowship. We were never intimate. So, Lord, this morning we thank you for your word.